Hey guys, you're listening to another episode of Brew Roots. I'm Emily. I'm Matt. And this is the podcast that brings you the stories behind your favorite beer. How you doing this week, Emily? I am doing well. It's been raining in Boston, but overall pretty good. Yeah, it's going to be all right this weekend, I think. So, you know, hopefully you can hit your favorite craft brewery place. Mm-hmm. Take my bunny out for a hop. She hasn't been able to see the sun. That's true. I need to take my dog out for a walk, too. Aww. The Princess Kaya. Princess Kaya and Princess Ella need to get some sun. That's right. But uh, what did you do this week? So I went to Brooklyn over the weekend, and that was fun. I went to Hipsterville. You know, I hung out in like Williamsburg and Park Slope. I got to see my sister and my best friend. And uh, yeah, I went to the Williamsburg Hotel for a little bit. They have like this little rooftop bar club kind of thing, and that was fun. And I feel like usually when I go to New York, I'm just hanging out in Manhattan being like, oh, let's go like, you know, Bryant Park and Central Park and stuff. But I've never really just like hung out in Brooklyn for a weekend, so that was fun. Yeah, I uh, got to compete with my high school marching band, and they did really well. They always do. Yeah, I'm not going to give too much information because I teach kids, so we don't want to talk about that. Yeah, and also we don't want people to know where we live, but right. our marching band does really well. Like yeah. for decades, they've done super well. Yeah. Very, very proud. Uh, but you know what I'm really excited about this weekend? It's a long weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I drank some beer this weekend. I had some craft beer, and I can't remember the names of it, but um, I did try something from the Brooklyn Brewery, and I went to Coney Island and had some beer there. I rode some roller coasters afterward, and I did not get sick, and I got to hold some parrots that were like walking along the boardwalk. Rad. I've yeah. been drinking nothing but Jack's Abbey lately. Hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I've been loving the post-shift. Post-shift is gets the brewery's stamp of approval right now. And you know what? Over the weekend, I also, when was this? Or no, this was just during the week. I went to the Boston Public Market and I they have like this little craft beer section. Have you been in there before? I have. And I asked them about the pumpkin and they were sold out and they recommended the Rosemary's Baby. And the guy really knew his stuff down there. So if you're ever in Boston and you go to the public market, it's right at the Haymarket Tea Stop. There's a whole giant craft brewery selection, and you will find a Brewroot sticker on their cash register computer. That's awesome. That was my doing. They were happy to uh, throw that on there. So this week's episode kind of got sparked by a midweek conversation between Emily and I. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is kind of, I'm doing kind of a beer fact, not really kind of segue. I don't know. This is like beer news. Yeah, this is beer news. So Carlsberg Brewery, the Danish pilsner company instead of using you know like the plastic you know connectors i don't know what those things are called well sometimes they're like little rings yeah the, plastic they're the ones rings. that everyone yeah. says get stuck around the dolphin's necks yes and we hate those yes yeah, so. or they're like those snap ones that are reusable which is kind of a step in the right direction mm-hmm. so the danish firm said that they will be now gluing beers together yeah just like a little thin line of glue yep and you just pop them apart. I love that. Yeah. So it wasn't actually just like some guy was like, yo, we should glue them together. This was actually three years worth of development. Um, so they insist the dots of glue bonding is like snap packs and are strong enough uh, to withstand journeys from shelves to home, yet sufficiently brittle to break with a twist. I love it. Yeah. So it shouldn't, it should mimic what you had before with like the snap pack or you just break it off. But it doesn't choke any dolphins. And it's way less plastic. So the article doesn't have any data on, <laughs> on how many less dolphins are yep. being choked. 
Yeah. Um, but you know what? The eco-friendly packaging will uh, will help the environment. It's a massive step in the right direction, and I don't know if they're patenting this method or not. But if they're not, it would be great to see more mass-produced beers using this because I think it would make a huge impact on the environment. It'd be nice. Yeah. I mean, not a, not a huge impact, but it would lessen the impact rather. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is the, the funniest part is the way this started was he went to a local craft brewery and was like, yeah, you know, they're probably not admitting as much carbon footprint as we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the starting point was that they went to a hardware store and bought all the adhesive and glue that was there. And uh, over the weekend, I just glued things together and made a short video for the CEO. And so my idea was born. So thank you, Mr. Sturman. That's great because it probably saves them a fair amount of money. Maybe up front they had to do a little bit of R&D to figure out what adhesive would work best. But that's great cost savings in the long term for them. And it's cool because, you know what, um, the bigger companies like Carlsbad, Budweiser, Coors should be leading the, the field in sustainability sustainability we are going to be saying that word a lot so we can't talk today though yeah so they should be leading the the like the charge and sustainability because they have the resources to do so Mm -hmm. um so carlsbad does have a head of sustainability which is pretty cool yeah and then matt sending me that article kind of sparked this whole conversation about like what is the environmental impact of beer making specifically and is it worse than other industries like are we really killing the environment by buying into you know mass-produced beer or you know is it the same across craft beer and domestics that you know it's just really doing a number are we using up all the pure water in the world (laughs) i mean (laughs) so the carbon footprint of beer does utilize actually three of the biggest contributors to co2 Mm -hmm. carbon emission uh so green or greenhouse gas if you will right so transportation yep moving beers from one place to the Mm -hmm. other heat and energy so refrigerating cooling a wart heating it Mm -hmm. so on and so forth and agriculture right producing the grains producing the hops the grains are definitely the most impactful one too because creating barley actually has a huge um, impact on the environment you have lots of fertilizer and pesticides that need to get used unless it's organic of course and you also have a lot of fresh water that needs to be used to water it and yeah so you know a little bit about the the barley process do you want to talk about that so traditionally when we grow barley we need to repeatedly till the soil which essentially means we need heavy farming equipment that uses gas and obviously produces carbon emissions but more importantly the repeated tilling of the soil every single time that we're tilling it we're actually applying fertilizers and pesticides and we're also kind of disrupting the natural organic carbon that's growing in the soil so the growing process itself is impactful but more so brewers prefer a plump grain you want a really robust grain of barley so it requires a little bit more water you need to irrigate the soil pretty regularly and this is you know if you were just getting a skinny grain you wouldn't need as much water obviously but on the other side once the barley is actually harvested You need to dry it and roast it, and that's a more intensive process. So that requires, you know, heat energy. It requires electricity, and that has an environmental impact as well. And I'd imagine the process is pretty similar for growing wheat. We put a lot of pesticides, and we put a lot of fertilizer in our wheat. You know, that's a growing concern in this country. And I'd imagine the process is pretty much the same when we dry and roast it. 
So there is potentially a method that could actually reverse a little bit of the carbon footprint, and that's called the low and no-till method. So that method is either you do not till at all, mm. or you only low-till, which is kind of just the first layer of the soil. You turn it around, and uh, what that offers is less carbon footprint from the agricultural equipment, tractors, tillers, whatever you have it. And it actually allows the natural like, carbon in the soil to, to remain. So yeah. it... it it's and, been around since 3000 BC. Um, so this was one of the earliest agricultural methods that was worked. And it's slowly coming into prominence in the United States now. Yeah. And it's probably just you have to spend less time in the field. Yes. But also and less fertilizer because you're you're just keeping the already fertile soil in place. Mm-hmm. And another way to, you know, support lower carbon footprint would just be to buy organic because there's no fertilizer or no pesticides used in that and the thing is is that's easier for the domestics you know your budweiser's your carlsbad like we were talking about because they have the infrastructure already built in and the thing is they're not making the effort that's the small guys the craft beer think about how many people we've talked to personally yeah that have said we are really strongly supporting organic even though it's a little bit more more expensive, expensive it's the right thing to do and that's what you hear a lot of the times and our world the craft beer world yeah but you know one larger company that's doing this is Michelob ultra yeah if you go on their website it says that they use all organic grains now so that's pretty cool yeah and i'd like to see that that change so it's the norm Mm -hmm. yeah but i mean that that is just actually the agricultural aspect is is the lowest portion of the carbon footprint yeah um so you know i mean it's transportation oh for sure yeah and water yeah, it's transportation and water for sure. Those are the big guys because you have your domestics. They're being shipped all over the country in probably 18-wheelers. I just think about it this way. I hated lugging back a 30-rack in college. Beer's heavy. Yeah. Like, beer is heavy, and you think about that. That's like 30-rack upon 30-rack upon 30-rack. Like, your car couldn't handle all that beer that's carried in, in a big truck, so that know diesel Mm -hmm. um and it's not just going down the road like you see these huge budweiser corridors miller trucks you know even just regular regular distributors you know shipping beer Mm -hmm. it's heavy um and you know that's what like what keeps the beer fresh right exactly and all of the refrigeration i think is a big factor too you have to keep your beer at a pretty consistent temperature no matter where it's traveling or mm-hmm. else it's going to cause it to, you know, it's going to affect the flavor. It might spoil it. So the refrigeration is a huge cost. Yes, it is. And I mean, beer is best when it's stored at cold, consistent temperature, right? So these trucks are refrigerated mm-hmm. and then they go into a refrigerated area. Um, so this actually makes up for 25% of the total carbon footprint of beer. Oh, really? Overall. Yeah. That's big. Yeah, it's a huge thing. Uh, so the water aspect of it is pretty big as well. Correct, Emily? Yeah. And we've been talking to craft brewers and they're talking about like where they get their water from and how water access can actually be kind of a challenge. And some people, depending on the town that you live in, they can be lucky enough to get the town water. But in other areas, you may have to either, you know, take your operations elsewhere or get your water from a more expensive source. Yeah. I think we were talking to Mighty Squirrel about that. He was like, you know, one of the most important things for us is water purity. And that's not always easy, but we have to put that first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not to mention 
you have to clean this equipment too like you were saying every time you produce a batch of beer you have to clean it out with pure water and that adds to the amount of water that you need to source for your production yeah so a lot of local breweries are actually doing their part uh so a typical brewery operation accounts for less than 20 percent of the overall environmental impact um, a study showed that if a brewery is committed to having a lower carbon emission that can actually hover around five percent hmm. so that's just you know either you know shutting down lights at night you know like silly stuff um you know sourcing your grains yep. from a uh, more sustainable source yep. and alternative energy sources now i know that like solar is expensive but mm-hmm. but maybe it's a better long-term investment yep. and i was reading about a couple of craft breweries across the country that are actually like priding themselves on the fact that they put sustainability first yeah. and i found a couple cool ones so there's one brewery called mother earth brewing love the name very appropriate because Perfect. their real mission is about sustainability in brewing so mother earth brewing is actually the first gold lead certified brewery so lead stands for leadership in energy and environmental design so this is basically like a, an award or a standard that you earn um, and they basically give you kind of points. It's like a point system for every area in which you're going out of your way to reduce your environmental impact. And so the brewery has solar panels. They have eco-flush toilets, yep. which saves a ton of water. And you know what? I've actually seen that in a lot of breweries that I go to. Because, you know, you go to the bathroom and you drink it's a couple cool. beers. Because yeah. they're like, dude, we use enough water here. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. They're actually like so conscientious of it because they're making the beer right there so they're really thinking about how much water is coming in and out of the place that's so cool and then the one other thing about mother earth brewing is apparently they have eco-friendly carpet i don't know what that's supposed to mean or if carpet is actually like a concern but that's probably gave them like a couple more points toward like the gold certification so i mean i'm all about it it's like i drive a hybrid hummer it's like you know (laughs) yeah and the and mother earth is out of kinston north carolina by the way um, and then I found another one. It's called Little Harpeth Brewing, and they're out of Nashville, Tennessee. And their founder, his name is Michael Quaz. Mm-hmm. He said, I'll just read this quote from him. We built our offices from wood and electrical parts that we reclaimed from the demolition of prior offices that were in our space. So when they took over whatever space that was, they tried to reuse as much of the material as they could. The only items we threw away were bent nails and drywall. We reused all the wiring and what was left over, we stripped and sold back to a metal scrapyard. We hate trash and landfills. Yes. Love it. That's great. And apparently the bright tanks that its brewers use to hold beer are like horizontal. So I guess what happens is that cuts down on the fall time for the yeast. So it actually like, I guess there's just, how do I explain this? Like there's just more surface area on the bottom. So when the yeast falls, it has less of a resistance to fall. And this actually takes days off of their production cycle. Wow. That's um, amazing. Inspiring. Yes. Yeah. And our friends out of... Quartz Collins. Colorado. Um, New Belgian Brewery, if you didn't know, is really making a, a real huge effort. So they have on their website, contributing to climate change means being accountable. Uh, so, you know, knowing <laughs> contributing, that... Contributing, it's worded kind of weird. Isn't yeah, it? <laughs> yeah. But look, I mean, they, they know that they are contributing to carbon emission. Mm-hmm. So they want to know how they can actually cut down it the most. Uh, so what they've started to do is 
um, their glass bottles are actually the lightest that they can be. So they've invested a lot of time and energy into minimizing the impact of glass over the years. That's cool. It reminds me of what Poland Spring did a few years back where they thinned the plastic in their water bottles to be like the thinnest possible because they realized like they were using way too much plastic unnecessarily. Okay, so another thing that I think is really cool, and because my dad has worked in alternative energy for years, so I've been like lectured on the value of using wind energy, and we live in an area where we just got a wind turbine installed like right down the street. I think it was like, I was probably in high school, so maybe it was like yeah. a couple of years, like seven years ago or something. And this, uh, this brewery called Yards Brewing Company, this is out of Philly. Um, they actually were one of 134 small businesses that received a grant from the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection that um, basically they were looking into using alternative energy to help run their brewery. So they got a grant and they are Pennsylvania's first 100% wind powered brewery. Oh, cool. Isn't that cool? And um, the deputy of art, marketing, and media for Yards, of course, like at a brewery that like everybody does kind of everything. Mm -hmm. um, her name is Gina Vasoli, was interviewed for the article that I'm looking at. And she said, we chose to go this route because it's the right thing to do. Whenever possible, we will always choose the more sustainable, environmentally conscious route, whether or not it costs more for us. And I feel like that's interesting because we are seeing this so much with the smaller like craft breweries that they're really just putting like the planet first they're putting people first yeah it's the right thing to do they're like, putting the right thing to yeah. do first there's nothing wrong with that and plus if you get a grant like why, why the hell not why the hell not it's pretty awesome so i'm sure my dad would geek out over that and um i would love to hear about other breweries that are using alternative energy i mean you know that the brewery that was out of um North Carolina Mother Earth was using solar panels on the top of their mm -hmm. brewery, but yeah. So either you're making an impact in your brewery, or you're making an impact on your production line. It's important yeah. to make that impact because you need to, like New Belgium said, you have to be aware that you you are making a an impact. But how small of an impact are you making, or how big of an impact are you making? Yeah, and one thing that I was reading was like when you're thinking about supply chain, you're thinking about upstream, whatever you would call like in stream like and then downstream so upstream meaning like where you're sourcing your materials from where is everything coming from before it actually hits your location and then you're thinking about okay how can we minimize the impact that's happening at our location so putting solar panels blah blah mm. blah and then the downstream which is like what's happening to our product after it goes to market after it's been used how are we going to encourage people to dispose of it in a more sustainable way yeah, and a lot of breweries are actually moving in the direction of reusable glass bottles. Right. We saw that movement in Oregon mm -hmm. a couple episodes ago. We talked about that. And um, there's a cool little chart that kind of represents, you know, high impact, low impact. So the lowest impact to carbon emission is a keg because yeah, it's highly reusable, right? Yeah, you have to reuse your keg. Um, yep. While a single use bottle has the most. Yeah, glass uh, production is definitely higher impact than aluminum can production now the interesting thing about aluminum can aluminum cans are a lot less heavy mm -hmm. they're lighter in material so the it actually offsets glass versus aluminum for a carbon imp, you know impact mm, right and i think that it's a little bit less impactful if i'm understanding this right from what i was reading like the recycling process for aluminum cans is actually more 
sustainable mm-hmm. than recycling glass. Yes. Probably just because I'm not sure how exactly aluminum cans are recycled, but I'm sure that with glass you have to incinerate it essentially yes. and liquefy it yeah. once again. Um, or, I mean, if it's just glass and you're recycling it, you can sterilize them and then reuse the bottles. Right. But that's so difficult. I mean, I feel like there's probably a lot of regulation that you have to get past. And like we were talking about in a couple episodes ago when we were bringing this up with that Oregon brewery, like in order to do that, every single bottle has to be the exact same shape and size mm-hmm. in order for you to be able to rebottle it at your location. Right. You yes. can't just like take any old bottle. So, I mean, there is a lot of impact that the beer industry has, but I mean, I'm sure it has no more impact than other industries across the field. Yeah. And I think that's what industry interested me the most is like, how does this compare to other industries in this whole sphere of like alcohol, food, beverage, you know, is beer making like really the big destroyer of them all? Or are there other industries that are, you know, producing more carbon emissions? Yeah. So if you have a local brewery that's doing sustainable brewing or, you know, reducing a carbon footprint, uh, send us a DM on Instagram and, and let us know. We'd love to learn a little bit more about the process that we're do- they're doing. Because I think this episode, can we can we can go down a ton more avenues. Yeah, I think the right. supply chain one is probably the most interesting for me because there's so much that people could be doing. When it comes to the sort of downstream where you're thinking about how are we going to recycle these? How are we going to reuse these? That's, I feel like much more challenging. There's a lot of hurdles to get over, but when it comes to sourcing your raw materials in a more sustainable way, I feel like that's pretty approachable, especially for the big guys. So. Yes. So I'm hoping that it's kind of a top down effect. I hope the big guys do start to do it um, because you know what? The craft beer scene around here is definitely already doing that. Yeah. And that's great. And that's, um, and that is great. And when we met Craft Roots, um, the owners of Craft Roots last week at that beer event, they were talking about how literally everything in their brewery that they make their beer with is sourced in Massachusetts. Local. They're very about like the Commonwealth, you know? Yeah. And so they get their hops from Western Mass. They get their grains locally from like places outside of Boston. And Obviously, their water is like town water, and I think that's cool because that's reducing the cost of transportation. They're not sourcing their barley from like the Midwest. They're not sourcing their hops from who knows where. It's all like within a two-hour drive. Right, and I think a lot of places are doing that, uh, like locally. Yeah, because it's it's cheaper, and it's also like the the craft brew industry is all about like community and helping other small businesses. So it kind of feeds their mission. Well, Emily, I think this was a pretty, uh, I learned a lot this week. I did. Yeah, my research was kind of fun this week. And I feel like, obviously, as is the conclusion that we come to most weeks, like, just drink more craft beer. Yeah. You're doing, you're doing good by small business owners. You're helping, like, feed their livelihood and helping them create great products and come up with new ideas. But you're also reducing your carbon footprint. Yeah, because, I mean, if you're going to a local brewery, that's a hell of a lot better than an 18-wheeler shipping it to your local packy. And you know what's funny? Like, maybe this was ignorant of me, but I never realized that drinking and eating organic had less of a carbon footprint, like, in terms of the way that organic food is produced. Right. I really did not think about that because I was like, okay, obviously this is better for my body. Yeah, but it's better for the environment, too. Yeah, big picture, it's also better. Less fertilization. Yep. 
Cool. All right. So where can we be found on social media? You know where to find us. <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Brew Roots. You can message us info at brewroots.com. You can reach Matt and I through the DMs. Mm-hmm. And you can email us if, if you're old school, info at brewroots.com. That's not even old school. I email people all the time. Yeah. I still email. Yeah. Like multiple times per day. Like we mentioned on last week's episode, and we got a couple cool inquiries. We are looking still for a sound engineer. Come on, peeps. We pay handsomely in beer. Use that liberal arts education. Yes. And edit our podcast for us. Or just hang out with us. Bring us cake. We like cake. We'll bring you beer for free. And we like cake. We do like cake and nobody will bring us cake. Yeah, we've asked. But we digress. Yeah. (laughs) So next week, Emily and I are going to be making our way to lovely Ipswich, Massachusetts. Yep. And we are going to be interviewing Ipswich Ale. A long-awaited interview. We're very excited. It'll be the second interview that Matt and I have done as a team in with the same a brewery. Town. So we <laughs> in the same town too. Yeah, we did we did True North together, but that was more of like a Q and A episode. Right. This is really about the story behind Ipswich Ale, and Matt and I both get to be there. I'm very excited because we've been trying to interview them for a long time. I'm glad yes. I get to be there. So I am excited about that. And if you have any questions, to hashtag Ask the Brewer. DM us on Instagram, and we will try to ask the brewer. I, I'm I'm envisioning like a Facebook Live, Instagram Live, maybe scenario. Perhaps I talk a big game right now because we've had a couple. Yep. But like, hey, hold us to it. But definitely, if you want to ask the brewer, just send us a DM, and we'll make sure that we get your questions in when we interview them. Yeah. So we're really excited. A couple cool breweries are opening up. Uh, Essex County Brewing Company in Peabody, Massachusetts will be opening up pretty soon. I got word of that, and we are trying to get them on. We're just trying to hash out a time for them. And we should reach out to Mighty Squirrel because they're going to be coming up pretty soon, too. Yeah, I'm so excited for that. Really I excited. just saw that press release about the, uh, the, the climbing the wall. Climbing wall. Oh, I'm so excited. So a lot of cool things happen in the Massachusetts craft beer scene. Yeah, we're uh, like well into fall. It's yep. hopping. Yep. Cool. So until <laughs> next week. No pun intended. Yeah. So until next week, enjoy your pumpkin beers because I know I am. Hell yeah. Or your pumpkin ciders. Or your favorite beer. Or just a raw pumpkin. Or just a pumpkin seeds are dope. Yeah. Um, But yeah, until next week. Cheers. Cheers.